As we continue, we're going to jump into our new series, as Vanessa said, and the title of our series is called In My Feelings. What to do when we feel. I'm really excited about today, so I need you to text somebody where you are. Those of you all that are in the sanctuary, y'all can still text somebody and let them know. Um, tell them jump in to this series right now. Uh, tell them to jump in on our stream right now and see what we're going to be talking about. It's really, really important. Um, feelings are such an important part of human life, but oftentimes, especially in church, they sometimes get overlooked and deprioritized. This series is going to seek to elevate the normalcy of feelings that we feel and understand how the Bible teaches us to manage these emotions or feelings that we were created to feel. Let me say that again. How the Bible instructs us and what the Bible says to us about the feelings that we were created to feel. All right? Now, if you haven't picked up already, the title was off of a popular song that everybody knows, In My Feelings, right? And if I start say, if I say this, Kiki, y'all are finishing off the lyrics in your head. Everybody knows the song. Everybody remembers it, right? I'm not going to get into it. Y'all know exactly what I'm talking about. But the truth of the matter is, all the feelings that we'll be visiting over the next few weeks have song titles that we all connect to, connected to them. And for today, the feeling that we'll be focusing on is happiness. And while there are a bunch of songs that talk about being happy, do you want to be happy, right? That's one. I forget who the, who's the singer of that one. I, somebody knows it. But what, what title? Stop laughing at me over there. They're laughing because I don't remember who sings the song. It's, oh, that's Kirk Franklin. It is Kirk Franklin. How did I forget that? See, I'm still holy and sanctified. Um, anyways, the, the, the song that I think encompasses happiness more than any other song is actually Pharrell's song, Happy. Some of y'all are shaking y'all head. Y'all know exactly what I'm talking about. Y'all remember when that song came out? Now, it was connected to a kid's movie. And at the time, I didn't, I don't think I had children at the time. It was Despicable Me 2. I don't think I had kids just yet. And I thought the song was so corny. Like, really, really corny. So I didn't want to hear it. And then, no matter what I did, the song was on somewhere. I'm watching a sports game, the song is there. You go to a barbecue, the song is there. You go to brunch, the song is there. You go to this place and that place, you hear the song. You turn on the radio, you hear the song. You put on a playlist on Spotify, the song is there. So like there was nothing that I could do and eventually it grew on me. Nice little melody, easy but really good lyrics, great groove, my favorite part, fantastic music and background vocals. Like, I mean, Pharrell is a genius, we all know that, right? And it was just a really good, feel good record. It just left you feeling happy. Like you felt happy when you heard this song. Clap along if you feel that. Right? Like it feels good. I don't know the words. I mess up lyrics all the time. We're not gonna touch that. But today that brings us to the title of the message because I'm happy. Handling 
happiness. And we already read the scripture out of Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 9 through 14, so we're not going to go back into it. But happiness is an emotion that all of us have hopefully felt and we can't even count it on our fingers. I hope that you don't sit there and say, well, I can count how many times I've been happy on my life in, on one hand, right? I hope that's not the case. I hope you can't keep track of the amount of times that you felt happy. And think about it. Take a second and think about moments that have made you happy. Graduation, a new relationship or getting married, meeting a partner, birth of a kid, buying a home, moving into your first apartment, getting your first car, getting a new job, going on vacation, finding a new church home. Drop hint, we want to be your church home. Do you know what it felt like in your body? Can you remember what it felt like in your body, what that happiness felt like? Happiness is crucial. We need to be experiencing it as a part of human life. God knitted into our fabric the ability to feel happiness. And I want us to understand that as we jump into the body of our, the, the meat of our, of our sermon, to our message today. Really? Number one, this is what we need to understand. Happiness is derived from pleasure. We are designed to experience pleasure. Let me say that one more time. Lionel, what? You talking about in church we're designed to? Yes, we're designed to experience pleasure. There is a physiological response to happiness or pleasure. Let me, let me explain it real quick. When we experience something that brings us pleasure or happiness, whether it's a social thing or relational thing or physical thing, our bodies actually release pleasure chemicals. Our brains release uh, pleasure chemicals. Dopamine, serotonin, oxytocin, endorphins, a bunch of these different chemicals get released into our body, and that's what makes us feel good. So when God created our bodies, he did so with the intent that we can experience feel-good feelings in our human nature. Huh? What? Lionel, I don't, the church has never really preached this before. What are you saying? Understand what I'm saying. God has given us the capacity to feel good feelings. And we've been taught in the church, you abstain from certain things that make you feel good and that bring pleasure and enjoyment. And yes, there is truth to this, y'all. I'm not saying today, after you leave the message, you say, well, Lionel said that God said that I'm supposed to feel good feelings and then walk off and then go pick up a habit that you're not supposed to pick up or engage in behaviors that you're not supposed to engage in, right? I'm not trying to normalize how the world involved, gets involved in pleasure. And remember, our last series, there's a reason why I'm talking about this now. Our first series, that we, our last series that we just talked about, talked about a transformation of our body and that everything that we do has to be with the mindset that we are walking in Christ-likeness in that sense of transformation. So there needs to be that coupling there, which we're going to get to in a little bit. And 
God wants you to experience pleasure. Every day for my birthday, my birthday is actually tomorrow. Happy birthday to me and happy birthday to my twin sister. I love you. Anyways, um, my, uh, I, every year I do the Daniel fast and I ended a couple of days early this year. I start in February for about 21 days and I go to my birthday. And Friday I ended and I looked at my wife. She goes, you want a burger? I said, do I want a burger? Of course I want a burger. So we ordered burgers and yo, I mean, I loaded, and not, I'm not talking about a, Wendy, a Wendy's burger or a McDonald's burger. That joint hurts your belly. Like, an actual good burger from a burger place. They're people who only do burgers, right? And not like processed meat burgers, but like good burgers. So we go and we get these burgers. And the fries were salty, and the burgers were dripping with three different kinds of sauce on it, and the cheese was gooey, and I, I mean, I, I, I scarfed it down, y'all. I was going, I, I finished it quickly. And it felt so good. Initially, I was happy for a moment. Why were you happy for a moment? Because I ate too fast. And every year on the Daniel Fast, I always forget. You have to ease into whatever you're eating. I decided to eat a burger. I was nauseous for the rest of the night. I have a personal problem. Pray for me. But this is just an example that the Bible highlights the pleasures that life brings, in, including enjoying food, the experience of sex between a wife and a husband, the satisfaction of a relationship between two people. There are literal pages in the Bible that talk about, in a positive way, the goodness of what happens when we eat food in our bodies and the experience of what happens in our hearts when we eat really good food. So that means it's okay to enjoy wholesome, happy things in our lives. You are meant to do so. It's okay for us to enjoy wholesome, good things that make us happy. Look at Ecclesiastes, verse 12 through 13. And this is really interesting when you read this. It says, people should be happy and do good while they live. I know, nothing, I know there's nothing better for them to do than that. Each of them should eat and drink. They should be satisfied with all their hard work. That's God's gift to them. So you heard? Happiness is God's gift to you. You are meant to feel good things. You are meant to have a hearty belly laugh. You are meant to enjoy good meals. You are meant to have good company and good family and good friends. You are meant to have feel good feelings from good relationships. You are meant to be happy because happiness serves an important purpose in our lives. Happiness has a functional purpose in our lives, y'all. Moments of happiness serve as landmarks for important events and circumstances in our lives. We already talked about the things that, you know, a birth of a child, a new job, a new car, this, that, meeting your future partner, getting a promotion, traveling. We need those moments because God understood that those moments of happiness serve as, listen, emotional Pit stops. What's a pit stop? Y'all ever watch racing? My dad, Pastor Latouche, when we were growing up, this guy loves NASCAR. I don't know why he loves NASCAR. There's nothing fascinating about NASCAR. The cars go in a circle for 300 laps. What's so, there's nothing exciting about that. 
But I digress. He likes soccer. He, he likes soccer and he likes NASCAR. And when you watch NASCAR, what you realize is every so often the car needs to make a pit stop. It makes a pit stop because it needs to be refueled, rechecked, and equipped with new things in order for the journey to continue for them to get to the finish line. God made you with feel-good feelings because he understood that what would happen in this life at times would cause for you to need pit stops. So when you experience happiness, it is a form of an emotional pit stop where you can fill your emotional tank so you can keep living this life. There is nothing wrong with being happy and happiness being an emotional pit stop. I love David, right? Listen to David. In, 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 in 2 Samuel chapter 6, well, before I get there, excuse me. As we look at David, something interesting happens. A moment of spiritual joy is coupled with a moment of emotional happiness. Look at, look at David. Ready? So David and his people just got the chance to get the Ark of the Covenant and bring the Ark of the Covenant back to Jerusalem, right? Back to the Holy Land. Now, remember, the people, because of, uh, of, of wandering and, and, and sin and just a whole bunch of different things, right? The Ark of the Covenant, the Ark represented the earthly manifestation of God's presence, right? And people, it was so holy that people couldn't even touch it unless they were chosen to touch it by God, right? So, so they find this Ark that was away from home, and they get the chance to finally bring it back to Jerusalem. And yo, David is so, so happy. We see that there's such a sense of joy connected to the ark coming back home that it causes David to have a physical manifestation of that joy, i.e. happiness. The Bible tells us that he begins to dance and sing like a crazy person before the Lord. He was going nuts in his moment of happiness. David's inner joy manifested as a physical display of happiness. Happiness is important because as believers, a lot of times, emotional happiness coexists with a sense of deep spiritual joy for what God is doing in our lives. When you get a new job or you get a new car or you're about to get married as a believer, one of the things that happens is you get really, really, there's this like burning feeling that happens, right? Because, you know, God, well, like we're saying, God made a way, right? God provided. And out of that deep sense of joy and thanksgiving, a lot of times it shows up as happiness. Y'all ever seen that? There's a, I saw it on the shade room one time. Y'all seen that um, video of the girl who gets a job? And she's on camera, but she doesn't know she's on camera. So she walks out. And while she walks out, she stops in the middle. She, she literally goes, stops in the middle of the parking lot and just starts dancing in the middle of the parking lot. And their manager caught it, and they thought it was really funny, right? She was so happy about what had happened in her life that it caused her to jump for joy. As believers, when God does something in our lives or when we experience good things on earth, sometimes it coexists with a deep sense of spiritual satisfaction and we have those moments as landmarks of what God has done. As a believer, take in those moments. 
Sit in those moments. Enjoy those moments of pleasure. Enjoy the smiles, the laughs, the warm feelings. Take in the feelings of elation, excitement, gratitude, and accomplishment. As we read the Bible, it is clear that happiness should be experienced. When we read Esther chapter 8, after the people are saved by Queen Esther, it says that the people of Israel experience joy and gladness. There's a separation between the two. Joy is from within that connects with our spiritual sense, right? Something from within us. Gladness is something that we exude that comes out, right? In Psalms, it says a glad heart makes a cheerful face. You ever seen somebody who's mad? and smiling or sad and smiling? No, typically, typically, unless you fake smile, like my brother fake smiles, he has a terrible fake smile. And we always tell him when we take pictures, yo, take a regular picture, man. Stop fake smiling. But that's another story for another time. When you wanna take a real picture or when you're really happy, there's a deep, right? A, a, a glad heart makes a cheerful face. That's what the Bible says. The Bible speaks outwardly, I mean, a, 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 the Bible speaks about the importance of laughter and an outward sign of experienced happiness. Remember that in that, happiness should still be found in the Lord. Psalm 16 says, be glad in the Lord. All over the Psalms and Proverbs, it says, delight in the Lord, take pleasure in the Lord, delight in the Lord. And if we connect back to our last series, ready? We're going back. Everything is connected here, y'all. We're going back real quick. It says, remember, if we dedicate our lives to being transformed in God's image, we are able to see the goodness and the presence of the Lord in everything that occurs in our life, especially during the good times. That's important because happiness is momentary. Just a blip. It happens really quickly. This is something that I want us to walk away with this morning. There is a desire, there is a longing for us to want to be happy at all times. When the good times happen, there's a desire for us to have those pleasant feelings and make them last. So as human beings who are imperfect, we get desperate. And we either try to prolong the moment as possible as we can, or we try to replicate the moment in the hope that we feel those same feelings. Again, if you know one of the things about addiction, right? One of the, the, one of the, the, the physiological components about addiction, chemical addiction, is that people want to replicate the feel-good feelings. And when you take your first hit of whatever it is, that rush of that substance causes a feel-good feeling that people would say, I got to feel that again. I need to experience that again. The issue that arises is that when we live from moment to moments of happiness, waiting, we live often from moments to moments of happiness, waiting for the next time that we feel that rush of good feeling or that pleasure in our bodies that makes us feel good. We live from mountaintop to mountaintop, waiting for the next good feeling, waiting for that next happiness. And if you've ever had a really good revival at your church or you've been to a Christian camp or a conference 
or a retreat, you, you're, you're familiar with what I'm about to tell you. So you, these things happen and they occur and you go and you experience it and you have an amazing time. When I grew up, I was going to camp every summer. I loved camp, right? Uh, I, I went to camp from about seven, no, excuse me, three or four family camp, right? To 18, all the different camps that I could go to. And then to make matters worse because I loved camp so much, from 18 till about 22, 23, I worked at camps. Like, I would take my summers or my winters and I would go and I would counsel people at camps because I loved the feeling for myself. And you have this really great social experience with people who are like you and they're going through the same thing as you at the same time. And then you have a really great spiritual experience, right? So you have this moment of connecting with people relationally to also connecting with God spiritually. And what happens is a lot of us go through an emotional high. And when we leave that revival, we leave that conference, we leave that retreat, we leave that camp, we say, this time I'm gonna do it differently. I'm gonna be changed, yes ha. I'm gonna live my life for the glory of the Lord, yes ha. And I'm gonna be motivated, hallelujah, for God. And I'm gonna be on fire. And that comes oftentimes out of a place of emotion. And it works because you still feel the high. But then what happens? As the pleasure chemicals recede, as the experience fades away, the happiness begins to fade and life begins to kick you in the behind. And all of a sudden, that charge, that energy, that passion that you once felt, that happiness that you felt is gone and you lose that sense of commitment because you were living in a moment of happiness that wasn't rooted correctly. In verses 12 and 13 of Ecclesiastes 3, right, it says that we should experience happiness, but then listen to what verse 14 says. I know that everything God does doesn't last forever. Hold up, Lionel, this sounds off again. You're contradicting yourself again for the third time today. What do you mean? Everything that God does doesn't last forever? You see, in this life, everything has a beginning and an end. And just earlier in that same chapter, it talks about there's a time for everything. It says that early in Ecclesiastes 3, there's a time to reap, there's a time to sow, there's a time to laugh, there's a time to cry, there's a time to kill, there's a time to heal, there's a time to tear down, there's a time to build, there's a time to be sad, there's a time to, be, there's a time to dance. The finite nature of life on earth means that anything that God does in the physical realm by law of nature can't last forever. It just can't. That's not saying that when God does something in the spiritual realm, a realm that is not bound by time, a realm that is not bound by space, a realm that is not bound by our own impacts, impacts or interactions, when God does something in the spiritual realm, it lasts forever, i.e. when he sent his son, Jesus Christ, who was God 
spiritually and man in the flesh. See, Jesus came as a spiritual being in flesh and completed a spiritual act in his physical body. That lasts forever. But there's an old Jerusalem and a new Jerusalem. There's going to be an old earth and a new earth. Excuse me, old heaven, not earth. Heaven and new heaven. There's old and new, which means there's a beginning and an end. Which means moments of happiness have to come to an end in this life. You just have to. The great psalmist and poet Nazir Jones, a.k.a. Nas, that's an ode to my brother. We listened to Nas growing up when we were teenagers, and we really loved his, his, his music. Um, but Nas has a song on one of his albums called Nothing Lasts Forever. And listen to how Nas describes human life. Everything in this life will come to an end so try to savor the moment, because time flies, don't it? The beauty of life, you got to make it last for the better, because nothing lasts forever, you know. Think about that. Think about that. Nothing lasts forever, and when we get stuck in living for the occasional peaks of happiness, we instantly set ourselves up for disappointment when we are met with the daily valleys of life. Let me tell you something about this life. There are more moments where you just got to keep pushing than there are happy moments. There are more moments where things feel tough than there are happy moments. There are more moments where things feel difficult, where things feel boring, where there's monotony, where there's apathy, where it's the same old, same old feeling. We get so comfortable, we get so dependent, we get so stuck on wanting to be happy that sometimes we blind ourselves. Happiness or pleasure can be blinding. Therefore, happiness must coexist with balance. Y'all heard me? Let me say that one more time. Happiness has to live with balance at the same time. The effects of being happy can be so good, so appeasing, so invigorating that we can get, like I said before, blinded by happiness and we're unable to see the effects of what that situation is doing to our lives. Sometimes, leisure comes from things that we shouldn't find pleasure in. Mm. Remember that saying, too much of a good thing is a bad thing? There are points where even when something is good for us, too much of it, too much of it can be harmful. And we shouldn't be finding happiness in those things. Think about what they say about water. You know, there's, it's, you, you are able to drink too much water, right? You ever have those days where you're so thirsty, so thirsty, 
that you go and you just go, 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 and it feels good for the moment. And then you don't let your brain catch up with your body, and then all of a sudden, you're like, oh, that was too much. I drank too much. Now my stomach hurts. Oh. And then you just got to sit down. Because too much of a good thing can lead to it being a bad thing. And when we indulge, you heard that? When we indulge in things that bring us happiness, we can oftentimes fail to see how it is eating us, how it is eroding us, how it is chewing us from the inside out. Take another example. There's people that work out too much. They wake up in the morning, they go to the gym. They spend two hours at the gym. They finish work, they go to the gym. They work out for another hour. They get home, they're counting their steps. They, they, they decide before they go to bed, they gotta do a couple push-ups. They have a whole series, a whole set. And it, exercise is great for the body, it's great. But they get so preoccupied with something good that they don't recognize that they're not spending time with their kids or they are not doing the best at work because they're only focused on what their meal plan is or what the next exercise that they have to do, or they are over-exercising their bodies and doing harm to their joints and to their muscles and to their ligaments. They've indulged in the working out so much that it's impacting their body. And listen to what Timothy, uh, chapter, excuse me, 1 Timothy chapter 5 says. Paul was talking to Timothy about taking care of other people. But listen to, he says, to what he says about this one person. He says, it's a widow. And he says, but she who chases after pleasure has already died even though she lives. Replace that with he. He who chases after pleasure has already died, even though he lives. And even King Solomon, the wisest person in the Bible, says something that's really extraordinary. He says in, in the book of Ecclesiastes in chapter 2, all right, come on. I'm going to try out this whole pleasure thing. I'm going to find out what is good. But that proved to be meaningless. Laughter didn't make any sense. What can I do for me? I tried cheering myself up with wine, and I even tried to live in a foolish way. You hear what you hear what Solomon did? His desire to be happy and to find pleasure led him to a place where he was pursuing happiness foolishly. And the pursuit of happiness is one that many of us engage in. I mean, we know that in this life, what, what's, what's the model right now? Do what makes you happy. Even this country was founded on enlightenment principles that really talk about the pursuit of happiness. And if you understand what is that is, it's you have the right to live your life the way you want to live it as long as it's not an infringement on someone else's life or well-being, right? Life, liberty, and the pursuit of? It's in the, the, the preamble, I believe, of our Constitution. The understanding is that as long as you don't hurt nobody, you can do what you want. Now, I'm not here to get into a philosophical conversation. We can have that another time. But I'm here to tell you what the Bible says, and it says it in one verse. 
And this is kind of how I've lived my life when it comes to things that make me happy. We find it in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 23, and it says, I have the right to do anything, but not everything is helpful. I have the right to do anything, but not everything builds us up. In plain old English, in old English, it says, all things are permissible, but not all things are beneficial. Beneficial. And later it says in verse 24, no one should look out for their own interest. Instead, they should be looking out for the interest of other people. When we self-indulge and we want to be happy so much, we put what we want in front of what may be good for others. So yes, Ecclesiastes 3 says, do what makes you happy. But more importantly, what makes you happy should be found in the Lord and it must be coupled with wisdom. Happiness must be accompanied with a heart of wisdom and a spirit of contentment. Let me say that one more time. Happiness must exist with a heart of wisdom and a spirit of contentment. Later on in Ecclesiastes chapter 2 earlier, you see, we understand that Solomon had it all. But he had to come to a place and realize that with all the pleasure that he had, it meant nothing. This is why the Psalms and Proverbs stress in delighting in the Lord. Because the presence of the Lord, the delight that we find in the Lord, the pleasure that we find in God, that is not impacted by time, that is not impacted by space, that is not impacted by what can happen in this life, the pleasure that we find, the happiness that we find in God can last a lifetime and into the next. So when Solomon says, I had to find my delight, joy, happiness in the Lord, he's saying so as someone who had the best of it all in life. When we delight in the Lord, we acknowledge that true contentment can only happen when we choose to be in him. And we are given, and what we are, have been given by God is ultimately given by God. And one day it will end. It is not ours to own, own in sovereignty. It is not ours to replicate. It is not ours to slowly find pleasure in what our hearts desire. Wisdom forces us to reason and acknowledge God's grace and movement in our lives. And that pushes us to understand that what God has given us and causes us to be happy, we have to be responsible with it. We have to be responsible with those moments of happiness. And contentment forces us to recognize that at some point, like Nas said, nothing lasts forever. And eventually, that moment of happiness is going to fo be followed by a moment of pain, or a moment of sadness, or a moment of frustration, or difficulty. So we become content 
and thankful to God because what he's done right now. Because he's allowed for us to experience something good. In your moments of happiness, recognize that even in the little things, God has, is, and will be good to you. Let me say that one more time. In the moments of happiness, nothing makes me happier, right? The other day, uh, my, my eldest came up to me, Ava came up to me, and we were just, it was yesterday morning, and she just grabbed me by my neck. She just said, I love you, Dada. She just gave me this big old kiss. She said, Dada, I love you. And I believe it. She's three, but I believe it. I believe that she meant it. Even those moments. Those moments don't last forever. She's not going to be a three-year-old for the rest of her life. Sooner or later, she's going to be too big to sit in my lap and give me a big old kiss on my cheek. She's going to be too strong to grab me by my neck. That moment of happiness doesn't last forever. But in that moment, I was overwhelmed with a sense of joy. And I said to myself quietly, thank you, God, for my loving daughter. Because when the moments of pain come, when the moments of frustration come, and I get frustrated with my strong-willed daughter, trust me, I can be reminded that God has been good to me, even though things may not feel good right now. That God has a history of doing good things and allowing for me to be happy. And that acknowledgement causes an inward shift, making your moments of happiness not just ones of emotional pleasure, but also ones of spiritual gratitude and joy. So as we close, ask yourself these questions. Number one, does this experience of happiness that I have in my life does it honor God? Is it rooted in God? Am I delighting in God? Am I living, number two, am I living from moment to moment, causing me to idolize the thing that brings me happiness? And Lord, number three, am I blinded by this happiness, is there something more that I need to see? Y'all, we are made to experience happiness, but we have to do so with a sense of balance. And that balance comes with wisdom and contentment when we delight in God our Father.